welcome back everyone to another episode of Cinema Demore. I'm your host Chuck, joined by Thank you for another episode of Cinema Demore, Chuck. I'm Justin. And I'm Lexi. Let's talk to Justin about Serpent the Rainbow. What were your thoughts on Serpent the Rainbow? Overall, not great. <laughs> <laughs> There is a lot of fun to be had with it. Since I wasn't on the previous episode, that's why they're asking me this. Go back and listen to it so you get their opinions. Generally, I liked how Bill Pullman's character wasn't a fucking racist. He's not written <laughs> like he's a terrible racist character where it's like real obvious that he's this outsider. And we'll have to get into it. Wes Craven with his dream aspect. It's so weird. And obviously it goes back into this movie. I mean, it's not necessarily like the dreams. They're visions in Serpent and the Rainbow. Same thing. Yeah. There's a lot that I enjoyed from it. I just don't think that it's competent from beginning to end. Technically, it's a combination of visions and dreams because half the time it's a dream and half the time it's a vision from some sort of drug. But there's more dream than drug. When he goes to Boston, what do you know about zombification? <laughs> like what? <laughs> it seems a little chop. This too. Shocker, which Chuck didn't even say. That's because we, were, we weren't ready to talk about that yet. That's I mean, right. I had, I had to get your thoughts on Serpent the Rainbow first. But yes, we're talking about his next film because because we picked three films in a row right in the middle of his career when he maybe was not remotely at the peak of his filmmaking abilities. I was thinking about that today. We really did pick his worst movies in a lot of ways. I think no. Like, I think his next one's one of his best. Yeah, yes. his next one's probably the best one we're talking about. Yeah, I was going to say the next one's one of his best. It's the only one that he really has that's a standalone film that's really good. All his other standalone films are pretty weak. I love The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I do too. But I actually like the remake more. I do too. Yeah, we mentioned that on the last episode. I've never seen The Hills Have Eyes 2. Which one? His sequel. It's not very good. His yeah, sequel. I've never good. seen that version. I've seen both of the remakes. Actually, I guess I could say that. I've seen both of the remakes and haven't seen both of their sequels or both versions. Of What's it. the other movie? Last House on the Left you're talking about? What's the other remake? No, I meant I've seen both Hills Have Eyes, the, oh. the regular versions. I've never seen either of their sequels. He starts off very lowbrow horror, obviously, with Last House on the Left, which is taken from version spring he that starts out straight exploitation yeah and i he wavers and i think it's okay not to be fantastic the whole way through carpenter has a great streak in the beginning and all his later movies are eh. maybe he'll have another one under his belt i doubt it but craven's best movies which i refuse to talk about individually because they've both become franchises and i'd rather go through the entire franchise i think you guys would too i love scream i think scream's his best movie i love nightmare on elm street i think he did a really good job with that and new nightmare why his scream his best movie it's his peak it really is his peak I personally, I hate Scream. Well, there's something wrong with you then. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> this can be your therapy session. We'll get down to the bottom of it and figure out what's wrong. I think Chuck pointed out something to me when we started talking about Serpent and the Rainbow. I just can't let it go since he's pointed it out to me. Is it about Craven or you? Yeah, about Craven. Okay. And that and that is the whole fact that he didn't watch any movies growing up and that his first movie that he saw, he saw as an adult. It wasn't an influence on him growing up. He didn't have that thing. So the first time he sees a movie, he goes, oh, that's great. I want to make movies. And then the very first movie he makes is Last House on the Left. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, why is that the first thing you would go to? Of all the things you could make, and it's like, we're talking about like 70s, because he started his career in the 70s. That's where you go. We grew up in this like sheltered life, and that's where you go. And what that's done for me is it's made me go, this really is a person who doesn't understand film. Until he gets to scream. <laughs> 
I genuinely believe that this person doesn't understand film. I've been shown repeatedly that he has strengths. I like Nightmare on Elm Street. I think the original Nightmare on Elm Street is great. But as we talked about in the other episode, Freddy is great. I like Robert Englund. It doesn't matter that Craven created the original one. He doesn't really have anything to do with the ones that are really fucking good. Part three is great. Part four is great. I think like, he wrote three. Daddy three is really good. But like he wasn't involved in the direction in it and stuff. When he has good actors, which today we're talking about Shocker, and I think this film had some really good actors in it who are able to carry the roles well. I don't believe he's directing them. If he gets a strong actor, that they're a strong actor and they're able to competently carry whatever they're given. Bill Pullman's a good actor. He was not well directed in that movie. His performance wasn't good, but it wasn't his fault that it wasn't good. He was giving his best. It was that he didn't have good direction. It's always the director's fault. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's the cast. If the cast pulls it off, the director did a good job. If the cast fucks up, the director failed. It's all on the director. He's shown us that his strength is coming up with these weird effects, and he's really good at the dream sequence stuff. The best parts of Serpent and the Rainbow are the effects themselves, because they are well done, but the effects don't work for the film. He tries so much to go back to a lot of these sorts of elements, rather than trying to write and direct a competently made film i don't think he is a good director i think he is a reasonable horror director and i think he's a good genre guy because he has strengths in his creativity with these dream sequence things that he likes to do and these kind of absurd out of the box things that he likes to play around with wouldn't you agree though that a terrible director couldn't make a good movie he's made good movies He's not made good movies. He hasn't made any good movies. I don't know what you're talking about. Scream. Nightmare on Elm Street. Scream is not a good movie. And, and I mean, Night, Nightmare on Elm Street is good, but I, like, I think it's a fluke. I genuinely think it's a fluke. Like, it could just, be a fluke. Everything fell into place. And I, also, what is his obsession with waterbeds? I thought the same thing watching <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's like extremely 80s thing. He's just always got waterbeds in his movies and shit and does stuff with them all the time. He's like, waterbeds are great for dream sequences. <laughs> They'll be around forever. No one will ever want to get rid of waterbeds. So Chuck explained that he lost Nightmare on Elm Street, the franchise. He didn't own the rights to it, correct? It sounded like you said Chuck lost the rights. Chuck's like, I don't know where they went. I've, I've lost it. Lost everything. No, no, no. It's just all Chuck's fault. So this was his attempt at kind of giving us another franchise that he could have more of control over. Definitely what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Wes Craven loves to reuse things from his own movies. And he did a lot in this film that was directly taking from even some of the other Nightmare on Elm Street films that he wasn't even involved in. Feels like moments in this film where he's straight up like, that was pretty good in that Freddy movie. Well, just put that in my movie that's not Freddy but also stars a very loud mouth funny comedic murderer who you know comes back from the dead to uh, yes. keep killing people and he pops up in their dream sequences to fight but in no way is Freddy Krueger he doesn't really go into dreams just his kids dreams that he seems to because you guys are like really it's somewhere in the middle of this movie it's all about the dreams man <laughs> It's pretty much how the movie starts. You didn't even talk about a concept. You're just like the guy. He's in dreams and that, shit. That guy. To back it up just slightly, <laughs> yes, this is a movie that Wes Craven was pitching as a TV show. 
That would have been a better TV show. Never worked. It should have been a TV show for the concept, I think. It would have been much better. Absolutely. Then when he finished this movie, which doesn't have anything to do with the plot, he had to keep cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. He had a nightmare basically getting final cut on this movie. Oh my God, really? He didn't have it. So apparently it kept getting X rated. He had to cut it 17 times or something like that before he had the final product. But yes, go back to, it, it stars what? Peter Berg, who's a terrible person from what I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> world-class filmmaker and mitch Paluji from x-files <laughs> played skinner maybe dead <laughs> i don't know if he's still alive I, or not uh yeah i don't know who's the main guy because he looks like gary Busey, but not like like just a bit which one peter berg the main kid like the main character yeah peter berg he directs movies now with mark Wahlberg. oh does he peter berg's a poor man's ethan hawk he definitely has that's who like he, that's who a poor like. poor man's ethan hawk. poor poor man's ethan he's hawk. got the Busey teeth he got some big old Busey teeth in his mouth. I really enjoy some of the terrible writing in this movie. It's so bad. Some of the writing in this is atrocious. Matt Dillon from There's Something About Mary. He has those like giant fake teeth. Yeah, Peter Berg's a football player. <laughs> I have a hard time with this film because it, I can't tell what where this film wants to go from moment to moment, like what it wants to be. Like it starts out as Peter Berg's a football player who is too into the ladies. And you're like, is this like a comedy about like Peter Berg? You know, is this like a football movie? <laughs> well, the field scene feels like a comedy. Yeah, the, the opening sequence is such a weird moment. Like I like when the coach is like, I couldn't tell if you were looking at the play or that girl without her top in the front row. And he like looks over and he slaps him and he's like, get back on the line ted raimi's randomly there is a as one of the characters and then what does he do well he runs into that pole he runs into the pole yeah so he runs into the pole another super comedic moment then he has like a dream about his dad killing somebody but he doesn't know that it's his dad are we sure this whole film isn't supposed to be that he was in a coma after running into a pole and the whole thing's just a dream because i mean nothing weird happens till he does that before that though they're talking about this almost imaginary legendary serial killer that nobody can catch yeah there's a lot of news footage and stuff that's always playing in the background talking about this killer who's been going around. Nobody seems to be able to get him. And they said that he's very intelligent because he's able to evade the police the way that he does. He has like the least imaginative nickname of the family slasher. Yeah. Uh, and then the kid has a dream where he sees the guy go kill his family. And so he goes to his house and he tells his stepdad, who saved him when he was a kid, from a crime scene, which we later find out is his dad, who's the guy who's the family killer. Then he tells his dad that he saw that the killer killed the family and he knows exactly all the details, which he shouldn't know. So then the dad doesn't ever want to believe this kid. The dad is like, oh, I guess fine he finally gives in to his nonsense and i mean the kid proves himself right he does so then the dad when the dad listens they go to the killer's hideout because he has like a, he's like i know exactly where the discussion is. in front of the hangout or whatever you want to call it is great too really like we're doing this because of a dream and the dad's like shoulder shrug yeah and the other officer says okay and gets out his crowbar and yeah. just pops the door <laughs> There's also 10 police officers and they all they all get massacred, <laughs> except for his dad, his foster dad. This movie has very strong theming around television, electricity and television sets and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it forgets halfway through the film that it's television themed and then goes, oh, yeah, it's never totally sure how to handle the television theming that it wants going. The on. roles are murky. 
this movie is 100% a television-themed horror film. This guy uses the televisions because he has this big television shop that's all full. And, like, I love when the cops go to the, the television shop to arrest him. They walk in, and every TV is just playing, like, war footage and, like, footage of people being mutilated over and over. Like, every TV in the place is just playing something horrible. And they never question it. They don't walk in and go, like, every TV is playing something horrible <laughs> in here. Like, it's all just black and white war footage and, like, footage of animals being burned and he snags that officer peter berg says wasn't there another officer here and the dad just <laughs> says i don't know and then he looks down there's a cigarette lit on the ground yeah maybe he's, like, he's not oh. a great detective his father and then they call the other cop over and they're like hey where's the sarge and he's just he was over there and they're like what and then the blood pours out from under the shelf <laughs> And then he sneaks out the back door. The cops have their backs turned towards him. And when they turn around, just him looking down is enough for them to not be concerned about who he is. Yeah, they're just like, oh, hey, Sarge, how's it going? It's not even remotely the same guy at all. The killer has a limp, which they really want you to know that the killer has a limp. And they showed the guy dragging his leg around as much as humanly possible to really get across to you that he has a limp. Well, that's like their only tell later to like make sure you know who is supposed to be. Oh, I'm gonna get a killer into that. later in the film is like is like we need something to super emphasize so you know that's who it is when when he's on camera. Like he has to do something very physical that we can tell it's always it him. Makes, it's the best when the little girl he's in the little the girl little she's running best. away from him, dragging her leg. And I'm pretty sure at one point the little girl that's running is when not she gets a in the machinery. I'm. I no, I like I think it's like a I think at one point it's like a little person probably like it's not it, even like movie, an actual little I mean, girl. <laughs> we'll get into that later, but this film also rips off child's play very very heavy handedly at yeah. some point. So yeah, it's like, I yeah, they're using those tricks that. too. So so much of this film I I'd seen it a long time ago and I forgot how much of this movie isn't even him being a character made of electricity. Like it's a good solid halfway through the film yeah. of of them chasing him while he's still murdering people as just a totally regular guy who is somehow able to murder whole families every day of the week like with no one catching him he also is involved in we'll assume some sort of black magic but it's we don't have so to vague and so poorly conceived that i don't know no they said he was into that and he's whatever. into voodoo and animal sacrifices they but say. then he's just like got like these weird marks etched on everything which i'm like well that doesn't seem like what i mean when he's in his this. cell and they bust in after he's done sort of okay sort of black magic this is i think <laughs> they, that's one of my favorite parts he comes and he has all of that stuff i was like that's more than a tv like, that's like where did he get the jumper, the jumper cables, cables. i'm like he's stuff. got there's no way he would have any why did he stuff? even have they, a television you know what i mean like why would well, they give was, him that they, they said, they said that, that was his last wish asked, yeah his last wish was to have a television for before he was i think murdered. your last wish is usually just food right yeah i thought that i thought your last it was just the last meal of like yeah i guess i'll have a steak but the best so like ever is when he asks the TV to give him the power and those big lips float out <laughs> of the TV. <laughs> and he goes, you, does he say you got it, daddy? And then like, he goes, you got it, daddy. And then he just disappears. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what, what well, is this The music was movie? terrible too. The... Oh no. Oh hell no. The <laughs> best part of this movie is the soundtrack. No, it's the not. soundtrack to this movie is amazing. You're crazy. I was like, 
right off the bat i'm like it's got its own theme song i was like the theme song's so great i'm like it's got a bunch of alice cooper i was like this movie soundtrack is the fucking best it's nothing but like 80s hair metal the the dudes of wrath is great and also my favorite thing is the the guitarist of that band's name guy man dude that's 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 his name he's probably french it's probably guy man dude that's yeah, there was Megadeth was there. Megadeth, Alice yeah. Cooper. It didn't really fit the atmosphere of creepy. Oh, <laughs> it made it better because something would start happening, like a chase sequence or something like that, and all of a sudden it would just be like this like 80s hair metal. And I'm like, yeah. this is the this is like the worst movie. This is, that this I is also another that's another <laughs> like, that's another moment of of oh man, that was cool. Dream Warriors had its own theme song. That was a good yeah. nightmare on Elm Street yeah. film. Maybe I should have a theme song you know, in mind. Dream like, Warriors. There's just too much. That's in like this the film. most dated, dated thing in that entire movie. The credits roll and you're like, this song is just bad. Dude, uh, no, that song's Dream amazing. Warriors is the fucking best. You're crazy. The uh, you know oh I'm talking God. about the song and not the movie, right? Yeah, that's a yeah, great the song. song. It's Dawkins. a great song. Yeah, we're the Dream Warriors. This song's fucking awesome. And so is Shaka, Shaka. <laughs> we yeah, we haven't even gotten to his uh, his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, which is very, I just laugh like, and say the, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The, the relationship with his girlfriend's so weird. Like I, I'm like she's just kind of always there, but it's like, does she also go to school or what? And does every she time, do? every time she's around, he seems to have no ability to do anything other than like blankly stare off into space at her that's because she's a ghost most of the movie he's not like hot he doesn't show like he's hot for her he just kind of she shows up he's like oh and like that's what fucks up in the football is he can't stop staring at her and then she's killed and then he spends the rest of the movie with her showing up and staring <laughs> i feel like at this her. was a first draft and they never got any further or something it, just, it feels so messy the dad just happens to be there he just happens to be related it would make more sense if the dad was the dad like coming back so for weird. him See, here's what I thought. I'd seen this movie. I knew like the stuff like same as like Serpent and the Rainbow. I knew the stuff I liked, but I didn't remember the stuff that was in between all of it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't remember. When we were between three Wes Craven movies, you said Shocker. Shocker's amazing. Because I, I like the Shocker's villain. Is the the villain's part. great. This movie's so bad, but it's like really good. But <laughs> how does he know that that kid is his son? You know, I don't know. They don't really. Oh. So I thought the plot would be like this guy. This guy's going to jail, right? It's gonna take a minute to execute the guy, but they like like execute him the next day, which I'm like, it takes at least like a few years before somebody like gets executed. So I thought <laughs> well, they caught him the red-handed kid... and they knew that he was the killer. And so I thought the kid would grow up. Like I thought they were gonna have the kid grow up and become a cop. And then when the kid became a cop, then the shocker was gonna come back and start chasing the kid down. But I thought that the cop... It would make more sense if he saw him die or some disappear, like you said, and then come back years later. That would make way more sense. Because I, I seemed like what I was thinking was going to happen, and then it, it, they, I'm like, oh, we're executing him today. Okay, cool. Uh, I was uh, like, it we have an way, opening but... for tomorrow morning if you would like to and, do that. And also, like, did Vans design the jumpsuits for that prison? Hell yeah, they did. <laughs> the checkerboard <laughs> jumpsuits. It's like, what prison is this? I'm like, these the... are the weirdest, like, jumpsuits. That prison's the... off the wall. Right. And the only nice callback <laughs> that I think that the entire movie had was the fact that he brings up this story that Peter Berg does not remember at all about him getting a gun and shooting him in the leg. So clearly the limp is supposed to be from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
so when he execute gets to execute it, he tells the kid that the story of how he used to beat his mom and he's his dad and all that kind of stuff. He reveals that he's his dad. So that's how they also have their psychic connection. But <laughs> then he asks like, that's uh, that psychic connection mom. stuff is not explained at all. Yeah, the, the foster dad. The foster dad who never gives an answer. Is that true? Probably not. And, like his answer looks like suck. he looks like he should be drinking out of a flask all the time, but he never is. He's just looks like, like he should be saying, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole I should have never became a foster dad. Yeah. I knew this was a mistake. It was all your mom's idea. I, I love it when he screams at the sun. He's like, Go home and get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I like the next day after where they like let them get away and his girlfriend's there taking a bath for some reason and she gets up and she says you're gonna miss practice are you or do you want to go to practice he's like hell yeah and he takes off and then she yeah. gets murdered while he's gone yeah. this guy's on the loose i don't know be a little and smart like, about it not that i'm mad this movie doesn't do it but i feel like if anybody else had made this movie that everybody would have been accusing the boyfriend of being the murderer yeah they didn't like, do it no till like almost not even end. that beforehand his own family yeah. he's just throwing out all these details like well, how else do I know that yeah. my foster brother was dead like, with his uh, fingers? It would be like, like the Frighteners. Like, yeah. it'd be, right. you know, every, everyone's always like, it must be Michael J. Fox. He must be the one killing them. He always <laughs> says he has these visions, but it must be him that's killing everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, It feels like that's where it should go much earlier. Like See, that everyone around this kid dies. This film has that, that film's plot but they didn't know how to make this movie. They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah. it has a plot, but it happens way late in this movie for some reason. That's the difference between a competent director and an incompetent director. But an incompetent director becomes a competent director. When? Scream. <laughs> you, you keep saying that, but <laughs> I disagree. I, I think Wes Craven hates teenagers, and I think that even though he makes these movies for teen audiences, I think he has a really snide, negative approach how he looks at everything and is Not that like a, a negative I, I think <laughs> it's interesting in regards to if you talk about people who are making horror movies for kids basically like for teenagers i think a lot of times those movies like follow a lot of fairly generic plots but i think like they understand their audience and they respect their audience whereas i think wes craven doesn't respect his audience he still makes films for them but his films are so negative in their light towards and how he presents them and portrays them too like there's not really good characters in his movie to latch on to because he doesn't like the characters he's waiting to kill them himself I don't and know I what the hell you're talking comes about. Back to his roots in the exploitation stuff. Like, I think that's an interesting thing to think about with him. Like, when you think about where he started his film career and what he was used to producing, like, as far as, like, graphic content, like, he's made some of the most graphic films in film history. Like, he's got some, like, top contenders under his belt. When he's making this movie and he's trying to, like, make this one more adult than nightmare on elm street this one he's trying to like pump it up a bit like it's, it's coming out of the teen area because you got the cop drama kind of stuff incorporated into it and you have a teen protagonist so you can aim it at them you can go a little bit further with this with the theming and what you have you've got some more like interesting themes that adults would latch onto more than kids because kids don't care about cop dramas like they don't care about that shit so like this film's underlying area is not something that's typically aimed at teen audiences it's more for older audiences but the main subject matter of the film is for teen audiences so it's like he wanted to play with more adult themes but they wouldn't let him it's kind of like your era is done dude like you cannot do that shit in 1989 
But those are his forte. I, I mean, I only think the only the only way that you can really be disrespectful to your audience is to talk down to them, which he definitely does in this in this movie for sure. Oh, yeah. Not all of his movies. I think Screamy does. No, the characters are extremely smart, and they expect the audience and understand what it's mocking. Give me more reasons why Scream is good. Well, I guess, first of all, it wouldn't have a franchise if, if nobody liked it. That's not even true. So it's enjoyable. There's what? all kinds of garbage that gets franchises. All kinds. Nightmare on Elm Street. Personally, Scream's it's my favorite of his movies. I know. I enjoy well, it the I'm most. Trying to get you to defend it. Like, defend it. Because I can tell you from day one, I've never liked Scream. It's not. But why? Because I, I, I wanted to. I think there's a lot of especially when it came out i think that there was a lot of interesting concepts like the scream mask thing like the ghost face mask i remember those growing up those were in every fucking dollar store and what have you i thought the concept of instead of having like a creative unique one-off creature that you use like the most base level template mask as your killer's mask and you'll truly never know who the fuck it is because these masks are a dime a dozen i like that concept i think that it's fine to kind of point out tropes point out stuff in the film like i know he's the first to kind of talk about that stuff and do it the way that he did i hated all the actors in it the only one i liked was matthew lillard but most of the people in the movie i really hated i didn't enjoy them as actors i didn't think they were fun i thought this the plot the main killing plot was pretty weak i think the story isn't there for me i think the twist was expected i wasn't like surprised when it happened and i felt like after being handed nothing but like i know what you did last summer and like all those fucking those those 90s era teen slasher films this just felt like another one of those it came scream came first and that's the reason why all those other movies (laughs) exist i just was never i never sat with me it just didn't and then when i found they made a sequel i was like i can't believe they're making another one of these fucking movies because it also felt like the first film was a standalone film like it did not feel like a franchise and i was like i don't know how you expand upon this like i said like i give him credit in some areas especially with a guy who's so used to making shit like this like stuff full of dream sequences and things like that i think this was a real throwback to his origins where he made really raw stuff based in reality they didn't have a lot of like crazy kind of shit because his old stuff was just like the hills have eyes probably be like his craziest but like it's still rooted in reality like it's just people living in the desert who just happen to be a little fucked up kind of thing like it's they're not creatures they're people so it's like he's good at showing the horror of man but like i think that the the whole series should have ended i mean at bare minimum it should end at three i don't know how you keep it fucking going i don't know how there's still more of them i don't understand any of it because it's just like i just feel like you're just beating the same premise over and over into it because the whole idea is that anybody can put this mask on and anybody can be a killer okay well then you can make like 50 films of that because everybody could read the right. news story it's, and then it's pick essentially it up and uh part of the dna though is it's a whodunit who is the killer it's not interesting to me i'm not trying to hate on you for it but i would like i was like i wonder i mean why. the whole concept of a mystery murder which is like a very popular genre movies and books a whodunit is like a fan favorite is this your favorite horror movie or is this is what just my your favorite, favorite movie scream like is no. it like your favorite 
that's one thing like okay i I work with a girl she has so much scream shit it's it's amazing like she has like a scream hoodie and scream pants and like scream and every day she comes in and she got some piece of scream on and i'm just like i just don't see the appeal like i see the appeal of jason i don't see the appeal of scream like as a franchise I, I get it. I see Scream as a standalone film, and that, like I said, like it's an idea. You can I mean, I I think basically all the movies so far have had something interesting to like jump into. I like the idea of the roles of the original and the sequel, and you know, trilogy. The current ones, toxic fandom. I think the the theme's really strong in that movie and interesting. That's fair. Well, it's not Tim either. You know what I mean? Like Wes Craven had nothing to do with <laughs> the last Scream or the next Scream or any Scream right. after four. He's dead, so he can't make any more. Fun. Yeah, that's. That's, that's always annoying when someone dies and they just keep checking their franchises and beating them into the dirt. And I know we kind of did jump earlier into his career. I did pick a later one because I think there's something interesting to talk about with that movie, even though it's really middle ground, if not terrible. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that is where it falls. Well, that's, but what, like, that's, what, that's like the theme of all of these films so far is like. It's like, man, there's like the kernel of a good movie in here. He just sometimes doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to like finish it off and like make it. I liked his, uh, I liked the thriller Red Eye. What was the one like? I was going to ask about Red Eye. Red Eye, I I think, is decent. Do I think it's the best? No. Yeah. But how come th- nobody picked music from the heart never seen it if that's if that's a <laughs> west craven movie i've not seen it really i saw it in theater me and chuck actually touched on it because it was funny you said you're like this guy is like a horror director and he because i listened to the episode where you talked about it and i was like okay he did pick it like i because we said why did you pick this and i said i think he picked it because he's like a solidly horror director and it's october well, so you're trying to pick like something no, like that but then to back it up a little up... bit it wasn't entirely me it was something that me and chuck discussed a while ago and probably <laughs> around this time last year when we were thinking of directors we keep constantly go back to what we could be doing in october and we thought well what's somebody that has a lot of horror films under their belt that's maybe not john carpenter but holy horror films i don't know I feel like every horror director slips out of there at some point. Yeah, because Chuck brought up that he tried to make, he tried to get out of horror for a second and make a movie. I went online and I looked it up and it was that music from the heart. And then like it all came flooding back to me. I saw that movie in the theater and I remember watching that whole entire movie and getting to the end with the credits and it said director Wes Craven. And I went, what? No. (laughs) And I thought it was like some guy who happened to be named that or something like that. It's like about a school choir. Yeah. Like it's like a great flex though. If you're a great filmmaker to be like, you know what? All you people bash my horror films. I'm going to go make a romantic comedy and then make the notebook or something that everybody loves. I think it got nominated for an Academy Award. Probably for music. Pretty sure it did. I I didn't, I didn't look into it, but I'm assuming probably for music. It was I a still big can't movie believe I always think about out. I haven't watched it yet. The Straight Story by David Lynch, produced and owned by Disney. Like it's like oh, a family yeah. film. Really? Mm-hmm. I never heard of that. We talked about his Dune. It's probably on Disney Plus. His Dune's I don't know, probably is the worst movie. That was that weird time period where they felt like they should just hand David Lynch like anything major, like major motion pictures, and they're not looking at what he is as a filmmaker and what kind of films he makes. So, but back to shocker 
Yeah, let's not forget about Shocker. Because because let me tell you, like, <laughs> as bad, that's right. Bad as this film is, it's pretty fun. I thought it was it a good like, discussion fun, when I watched yeah. it. I thought it this has would some, be something interesting to talk about. Mitch Pelegi is great as, like, like he is just entertaining because he's so over the top with, like, everything. Just everything about him is so, like, so ridiculously. The, it's too. It's all too much, but it's great because it's so much... The best part is when he grabs the kid at the end in their fight and he slams him into the wall and he goes, take a ride on my Volkswagen. <laughs> it's like, well, who wrote this? You know what? Like, I laughed so many times during the movie from his lines and I can't even yeah. take one off the top of my head, but they were it's all this terrible. This lounge is going to kick your ass, kid. Yeah. <laughs> he turns into the chair. He calls like, that priest like a pedophile or something. Uh, yeah. yeah he does this movie's like a weird combination too of like some pretty spectacular special effects i love the one the... where peter berg bursts into his bedroom from the tv set well like it's and pra- what's great all done about practically yeah and i love the way that the filter that they use over him looks like a to really pixelated look like a television. television yeah and yeah and like as his powers weaken his like television form starts getting more and more fuzzy and grainy as it goes i thought that looked great however when he jumped into his waterbed it was quite possibly some of the worst blue screen effect i've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life there there are more than one blue screen sequence in this movie where I'm just going, what the fuck is happening? Like the very start of the film, when he first has the dream about his mom and dad being killed, there's like horrible blue screen there. Like his head has like the fucking blur all around it and stuff. And I'm like, why would they blue screen this? Like he's just having a dream on his street. And I was like, I guess they're trying to like make it look like he's kind of shifting into the dream. But like it didn't look that way it just looked really bad and it wasn't green screen it was blue screen so it just never quite they didn't right. discover that brown screen yet so <laughs> i just I, man this movie's blue screen effects i think are bad. Uh, and i think i do love I, I love the end like the whole last probably half an hour the, it is great is but great. it's great but it just like I think where it partially loses it is uh, I think, Justin, you might have said earlier, and I, I thought the same thing is like this movie doesn't know what the rules are for what his character can do. And it right. just kind of lets him do anything. And then it starts getting real confusing as to like because it starts out with, uh, you know, he hooks himself up to a TV with jumper cables and he does the black magic thing, which is very much like child's play. Like he does a voodoo thing to transfer himself to something else. Then when he gets electrocuted, his body disappears and he it's like, like jumps to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Jedi. And then he jumps to that uh, doctor and then she attacks the cop. So it jumps to her and it, and it keeps like it's doing that thing where it's just jumping from person to person. Sometimes by it's physical. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it not. doesn't seem like they're not even close to this person and they still somehow transferred to him. It's very confusing there. Then then towards the end, it does that for a long time and he. And the only thing that seems to make him get out of the body is the his girlfriend's heart necklace that, I don't know, she somehow has powers in, which is, again, another rule that is never explained that it's like, right, it's it's just true love in that necklace we- from her that like makes it makes it so that his powers don't work or something like that, like very vague as to how that works. Chuck, you get to the point, too, where he has the remote control that he grabs off that lady so he can control shocker horse pinker yeah 
and he's like, you got to follow the rules. But then there, there really is no rules. He's like somehow. Yeah, there's not even rules to that. Yeah, there's. He's like using it like a lightsaber. He's like he's like throwing him around like he's control like a Wiimote. Yeah, and then it's a a Wiimote a few few decades. Just a few, yeah. And then it jumps around between. I want this to be funny. Uh, I don't want. I want this to be serious. Yeah, I want this to be scary. So it's like you have this like part that should be like scary but then he like goes into that woman's house and then they just have like that fight in that woman's house they came in through it's the like TV, such the a redneck thing the they're like, they're like did, uh, he's ghosts come out because it had strong stuff. ghost vibes too yeah I feel like it was probably around the same time like 89 it was I mean, 89 patrick yeah. swayze's doing all the same things he's jumping in people yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's, Although the roles were well established. Yeah, and it's so it's like it can't decide what he's able to do because then yeah, once he he's he, then he's in all of the appliances and then he once the the necklace shoots him out of the coach's body, then he he touches a light uh, or a, an electric outlet, so he goes into the electric mm-hmm. grid. He comes so like, up oh, is light. he gonna be? Yeah, is he? How is he gonna? How is he gonna do something? Then he jumps into the TV, and then it becomes. Then it, be, it feels like that's the point where, <laughs> like you were saying, like like Wes Craven remembered that he was like I don't know trying to make like an anti TV movie, and like he's trying to show like all the stupid things that are on TV, like oh, this is the garbage that regular people watch every day, and. You should Bruh. you should turn this. I mean, stuff that off. is like the main theme when this. you get to the end of the movie. Like, hey, at the isn't very the end, stars the very nice? ends, like, like turn, yeah, turn, turn the turn the TV off and go outside. Is like, but it, but it takes the movie. There's there's the beginning and there's the end and there's an hour and fifty minutes in the middle of like, no, there's nothing to do with TV. And then randomly, he's like, oh wait, no, TV's bad. That's what I was right. doing with this movie. Damn. And it. you get that then, like that, shooting that, star. So I'm thinking. Is that supposed to be something that like ties into the black magic? The TV part too. It feels like RoboCop. Yeah. Like all those TV sequences feel like shit from like RoboCop. So it's just like, which I don't know if that's just the eighty-nine. I don't like mind the bad effects when they're jumping from thing to thing. I actually think it's really kind of funny. It's like just them flying around. Yeah. They're getting blown up in nuclear explosions. Oh, that was the war. best. And they're like so in the middle looking. of like yeah. hurricanes and tornadoes. Yeah, that's. I he mean, that's that all knife great. Off a dead soldier. Yeah, yeah. He gets a bayonet. There, there's some good ideas, but I just like when we sit here and we describe the movie. Like it, it almost like we are jumping around a bit. The but movie we're does also too. Co- there are so many like, times uh, in this movie. <laughs> there's sorry. There are so many times in this movie yeah. where he's he gets his friends to be like, "All right, we're gonna go kill this guy." Yeah. There's no discussion beforehand. The friends, well, it's his teammates. They're always in on it. It happens like three times in the same and, like, movie. They never question at all that, they, that he wants to do. It. Even his coach does not question at all that there's a, that there's a, a killer in the electricity that's trying to murder him. They're like, okay, I got you. What's I like the do? Co- and like, and also, I hate the moment too where he gets back to his place and he and the coach is in the bathroom and he's like, "What are you doing here, coach?" It's like, dude, it's clearly you told not the him coach. To go there and get your goggles. Well, like he's already have seen this guy jump body so many times and he doesn't. Yeah, like hit. Yeah, the he guy. doesn't. He doesn't register. I feel like, I feel like the the most insane sequence of this film that is so hard to comprehend is is his big final. Peter Berg's big final plan on how to uh, how to catch this guy and he sets up he has those the local news guy go to his family's home and set up a camera oh, in yeah. their room and then mm-hmm. and this is so far ahead that you like forget that those guys are there or don't understand he's like no just set up the camera and just wait here and the guy's like this is ridiculous and he's like he's like 
give me two hours and you won't think it's so ridiculous. And then it's like, it feels like two hours in between when he tells them that and when it actually pays off. Right. That then he sends his buddies to, to attack the power grid, like go to the, go to the power plant and shut it down. Then he goes back to his house, falls asleep on his waterbed. The televangelist comes on the TV. <laughs> Shocker comes out of the TV, invades his, uh, his massage chair, comes to life, tries to murder him. Oh, the massage chair is great. The TV. And then he's like, he's the, like yeah, half the, massage the chair. The cha- yeah, yeah, I love how his arms are like still gray, well, gray sleeves. How did that even that. work? It's like, electric. We've been shown this guy. Yeah, it's oh, an electric massage chair. It's electric, so he can literally like physically mutate, mutate into the, the chair. chair. Again, the rules that were like, the rules that we're not following in the slightest here on this which, one. That's that, the most Freddy. That's the most Freddy. Yeah, the that's the, that's the most like, Freddy. That's hundred percent Freddy. He's turning into like, something. I mean, Freddy that, is it Nightmare Three? Is that the one where he comes out of the TV? And yeah, three, three. Yeah. He does the he does the TV, which which is yeah repeated in this film for another character. But then when he he jumps, time time bitch, he jumps into the TV. They yeah they do that whole thing where they're going through the channels. They fall out into that into that lady's house and like destroy it and just like run around real goofy i also love the the news anchors in the background that are like local people are reporting they're turning on their tvs and seeing a local football star being chased by homicidal murderer thought killed weeks ago like on on every news station uh he, he does have another great moment that's i think maybe the funniest most subtle thing in this entire film is when uh he turns on the tv and it's like a, a documentary about birds. And it's like oh, the yeah. real soft voiced guy that's like, and look at the robin sitting in his. Uh, and then he gets like, mur- he, like you, it sounds like he's getting strangled. And then you see, you see <laughs> Horace like, cl- yeah, Mitch, well, like, he's climbing up the tree to get through the TV. And that's like one of my favorite moments is that is him killing the narrator off screen of a nature program, then climbing up the tree to get out of the TV. But, uh, but yeah, then. Then he turns the channel to the news guys that set up the camera like three hours ago, jumps into that room. His buddies turn off the power from their end. Then he jumps back through the camera, destroys the camera. It's like that whole sequence you is like... You forgot the mo- great moment, though, where Mitch Pelugi's trying to escape and he unplugs the TV. So he yeah, just... he slams face first into it. Yeah. I After like he takes the remote to make him follow hit. the rules. It's an effect, but every time that he gets like physically hit, sparks are like flying out yeah. of him. That was kind of neat. But that, yeah, that whole final that, sequence is just insane. If he had, <laughs> if he had focused on making this movie more batshit and more over the top, and shortened its runtime down, and figured out how to piece the story together in a way that works, this could have been like a cult classic. Like it could have. It been... is a cult classic. No, everyone's talking really. about People... Shocker. Uh, no, <laughs> it. it People like it because it's got some weird stuff in it, but like it's not it's not regarded as like a classic. Give it right? more like time. A classic. I think it's had its time. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie. It you know it's funny though. Like listening to you guys now, and a lot of like what we're saying about this movie, it's very similar to what we said about Serpent and the Rainbow. Like, this is like three movies strung together in a way that doesn't work. Because this guy couldn't figure out what kind of film he wanted to make. Did he want to make a dreamy movie? Did he want to make like something more based in reality? Did he want whatever? And it's like right. Where did it fail? Exact... And if they had to cut it down seventeen times. And this one, what was did you more... lose? Like I know that they the coach stabbing his hand, like things like that, they took out. Right. Uh, this is more in um, his wheelhouse. 
like as far as like story and effects and, yeah it, and all at that least between stuff. this and watching serpent again like i was at least entertained by this film throughout. Yeah. like even even the parts that are bad were were bad in a way that was like oh but that was, was kind of really funny, funny for how for how bad yeah. that was like like serpent the rainbow there's just parts that you're just like ah like uh they can move on from yeah. this point like i get i get they need to go to something else that's like more entertaining but this was any even the bad parts like this film comes back full circle to being almost like so bad it's good in like a yeah. lot of the moments, so what you're saying is, there's a good idea here that maybe is remakeable. Uh, oh yeah, one hundred percent. I, I mean, we said we said Serpent and the Rainbow should be remade. There you we go. Had a yeah. Pretty good discussion the about that one. Person. I, I mean, when it comes to like Wes Craven, Wes Craven's made a lot of bad movies. Like he's he's got a f- more than a handful. Under oh, I'd his say belt. yeah, he's definitely fifty fifty, if not on the S- worse end of things. Probably. So why would you? Why would you remake his cult? Cl- like, why would you make his classic film again? Like, I wouldn't, unless you're saying, unless you are agreeing that this is his classic film. No, like, I, it's like you go and you remake Nightmare on Elm Street. I wouldn't, which nobody's it was nobody's asking for that. Like, like, oh, it was, of course it was terrible, but like, that's the one that you looked at and said, let's let's remake that a, a, a classic yeah, film. And then the director, but let's not get remake it. Serpent in the Fucking Rainbow, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, huh. but. It's got like some really great ideas and there's not a lot of films about like proper voodoo zombie stuff. So he's one of the few people to go out and try that. Should but combine them. His end film is The terrible. Serpent and the Shocker. The Serpent and the Shocker. <laughs> I think that you have, if you think I about Shocker. I think I've Shocker, seen that movie already. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> if you made really this movie uh, hour and a half long and like you said, why not have the guy on death row? With his little son there, and he gets executed, and then it's years in the future for some reason. Yeah, almost make that where the movie starts is just him getting getting executed when Peter Berg's like, yeah, like five years old or something like that, and like not fully understanding that that's his dad, and then it it coming back later. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things they could have changed. Yeah, make him come back to like kill his son so he's there for a reason. Not just he, starting he to be back, a serial killer for some reason. And he kills the family after the kid's grown up. And the kid's like, I don't understand. And then the, the cop's like, you're not my son. You're adopted. Yeah. And it's like, what? And this guy used to be your dad. And or he's a started there. killer. Started like a weird mystery about like, how did these people get killed? It looks like something with a television. And then you have to go back to the story from when he was a kid that he can't remember about his dad getting executed there's a lot of good in this movie it's just all poorly done and it doesn't know what it wants to be like it's just it, i mean we've said it a billion times like it's just confused it's a very confused film but this one's confusing and fun yeah because like it's it's some when it's when it goes over the top it goes like so the rules the are top. the rules are very confusing <laughs> like i love I love the sequence of the park. It goes on forever, but like it's also like so insane. Like the yeah, cops chasing him through twice. the park, and then after the cop like's body gives out, the cop just gets up and goes after the jogger. And you're like, okay, well, you think like he's just gonna take the jogger's body because he's just expressed that the body's out of shape and he can't chase after him. And then he shoots the jogger in the back. And then the jogger's bleeding out and he crawls over and then takes over like the little girl. And it just like, it goes on and on. And every time he jumps from body to body, it just gets more and more I mean, it is a high body count for sure. 
I like the little girl when she gets behind the heavy machinery and she's like, get out of the way, fuckers. <laughs> the, the sets the sets in this movie have either like the feel of a halloween horror nights like universal haunted house or a studio apartment of a stu- student who doesn't oh, yeah. have any money to buy furniture like it, it's it, i just it's like his whole house is just like blank and empty there's like a water bed in the middle of the a water room bed and, and a chair. massage chair and a tv that's all he's got yeah that's all he's, he's living, got in his house and he's no got a posters, full bathroom to no himself anything. this movie is is great i love when he's like ugh, ugh, <laughs> after his failed shot uh electrocution and they send the doctor in to see if he's still alive <laughs> like he's talking and stuff is but then i love the classic like horror cinematography i guess the shot where like the lights go out and they come back on, he's just out of his chair. And then the people just casually leave, and like Peter Berg and his his foster father are having a w- conversation. This guy's on the loose. <laughs> go find right. him. Now's not the time. Well, to talk especially about since that. the first time they caught him, the father listened to the son about the dream stuff. When this part of the film starts, he looks at his son and goes, "Shut up! Stop!" I don't care anymore. And it's like, well, do you want to resolve this or not? Because you've shown that you care and listen to the sun eventually. And that the sun was right the whole time. And that the sun basically helped you catch this killer through whatever hoodoo is going on. When this guy literally dies in front of you and dissolves into dust. And then the kid's like, oh, this guy's like in the fucking machines. Why would you like, go oh, i don't want to hear it anymore it's like well it's not gonna fucking stop then because you're the only two that are genuinely gonna believe and listen to this stuff because even though the dad's skeptical the dad does eventually listen and i mean they the watched the this guy like disintegrate in front of them that's what i mean it's like, like you saw this guy fucking dissolve and you just went uh go home get drunk although he, he did reason it like what did he say he said something like the extent of like the chair must have been too powerful that's why he yeah, disintegrated too hot so how the fuck did he get up and run around for 15 minutes before he <laughs> dissolved? You don't know much about physics, do you? No, he's a detective and not a good one. Ugh, I like that the reporter that's like, so are you, you going to really try to solve this now that your fa- your actual family got murdered? I still love this time of the year. I really do love October. I love the horror movies and trying to watch a bunch of things that I haven't seen. I hadn't watched The Serpent and the rainbow before i've watched this but honestly i don't really remember much happening before the execution and there's a good like 30 minutes like chuck it's said a lot uh and i don't even it's remember long. i don't even remember the end like i remember that like smaller fight that they had where he jumps into the camera i i don't even remember him going through several different channels <laughs> I don't remember him coming out. Well, that woman, well, the family's like so, like the kids are kind of shocked, but the mom and dad are so unfazed by these people in their living room. And then, and then at, when they're having that fight, then uh, the sh- shocker's like, ha ha ha, your watch is off. And he's like, my watch is off. Oh no, they're going <laughs> to blow the power plant it. before I can get out of the TV. And I'm just like, that's the stupidest, like, part when he's just like your watch stopped it's like you didn't realize your watch stopped because i'm pretty sure it stopped like a very long time ago because it's from you going in water like i thought it was part of his plan like gonna be part of his plan like to get him to try to escape first and trap him 
Oh my god. You know what I mean? Like, oh shit, it's about who gets in here first. Your watch is oh. it's like he's like Ace Ventura. Sorry, uh, he's on my mind today. Ace Ventura is like well, add some tension. This watch is like, broken. Not good tension. Like it's not well done tension. It's just like haha, it's some tension thrown in for that last second. You're just like okay. They're really like there there's some tension in this movie, but it's all short lived. I think of Peter Berg getting into his car. They shoot it as if somebody's behind him, but he just gets in his car and, and leaves. So yeah. that's something that happens a lot. Yeah, the tension's not creating that. I mean, I don't to, even know if there really is tension. I mean, to answer your question, like my favorite horror movie, I I don't know, maybe The Shining right now. It's Shining, Jaws, The Thing, Alien. It gets mixed in there somewhere. Alien's not a horror movie. Alien is a horror movie. No, it's not. It's a science fiction film. Science fiction so horror. The thing. The science thing fiction science horror. Fiction movie. No. So there can only be one genre. So well, this can't be. You... So this can't be horror comedy. Because no, it no, can't. That doesn't can... exist. Genres can cross over, but what section of your video store are you putting it in? Are you putting it in the horror section, or are you putting it in the sci-fi section? You put it in either section that you would like to put it in. No, it doesn't work that way. It's got to be one first. Well, so the movie's called Alien. I would imagine that it would get thrown in science fiction, but I don't think it's exclusive. That's kind of fucking stupid to exclude it from horror when it absolutely is a horror movie. But I, I think of um, <laughs> whenever I worked with CD the distributing company, Handelman, they had a cowboy Troy, which was a black guy with a cowboy hat, and they're like, ooh, we don't know what I section to, cowboy uh, Troy. We don't know what section to put him in. I guess he is a cowboy because of his name uh all right let's put him there same concept for alien yeah it's in the name and uh the whole franchise there's horror elements of it but i feel like aliens is more an, a- an action horror sci-fi combination and the first movie is more horror the second one's not horror at all there's horror like elements in it eh, things in the vents things in the vents the thing popping out of the water to grab the little girl that just has, has jump scares. I mean, it's not even jump scares. Like, even when they have them on radar and they can see that they're, like, coming towards them, but they can't see them. That's that's tension and horror. How isn't it? I, I, just, don't, I just don't think of it as a horror movie. I think horror can occur because horror is just part of whatever these aliens are. But I always think of it as science fiction first. I mean, any movie can it can kind of shift genres. It's not exclusive. I think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That whole moment of Brad Pitt's character going out to meet Bruce Dern, it's shot like a horror film. It's really kind of unnerving. I, I, I didn't like that movie. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's it no Tarantino. Trash Humpers or whatever that movie is called. I mean, that's that's film gold right there. I, I am I learning. I, I am learning a lot about you, though. I feel that there's like an existential effect or like trauma of some sort that affects the way that you feel. Because we were talking about another movie, like through text, <laughs> and and the way that it was perceived publicly or like a, with the people around you kind of pushed you away from that movie. But so I I would be more interested in if if that could be taken back. I mean, I know that's hard to do, but. If we took away public perception, what do you think of this movie? Shocker, obviously. <laughs> I think there really isn't much pu- public reception. Like no one's talk, no one's talking about it right now. 
and uh, I think it's like we've already said, fun, but not not good at all. This might be this one of my favorite episodes too so far. If you if you have a party, mm-hmm. like you put this on, like uh, like a bunch of people over, you're all getting high, getting drunk. You throw this movie on, like like I a not to watch a... movie, right? Like because you don't want to pay attention to the story. But you'll catch it when those sequences that are worth watching pop up. So you'll just be like, all right. It's not it's 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 definitely like a combination of some impressive effects, as I said, and some like shit effects. But I think the impressive effects are worth seeing. Like I, I do think the sequence in the jail cell looks great when he's shocking himself and the TV, like until the lips come out of the TV, that whole sequence is like pretty awesome. <laughs> Special effects, can you ruin this? Yeah, give me just a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's his thing. It's like every time he has something good going for him, he'll either ruin it with like some bad blue screen or some weird effect that just doesn't suit the rest of the film. But I, 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 he was definitely getting out, out of this. He's like, I want to do as much shit as possible. I want like this and this and this. I feel like everyone gets that movie eventually where they're like, I just want to go nuts with it. Here's another reason, though, that I really enjoyed. But he could have gone harder. He could have gone harder with this movie. Hundred percent. He could have gone fucking off the rails. This movie. Could I have think been he tried. Traitor. I think he tried, and they said, "No, dude, it's got to be an R rating." It could. It could have been like street trash level, like fucking just. Insane. You know what they probably said to him? They said that you have to make this movie for kids, and he and he got so angry, and that's why he hates teenagers because his movies have to get cut down so they can see it. And that's the true horror of Wes Craven. <laughs> but he- here's another thing that I actually do like. Our discourse, you're usually like, I usually hate everything. But with this particular movie, you are giving good examples about what is bad about it. And sometimes you'll just say, oh, I hate that movie. Worst movie ever. And I'll say, why? And your response is, it's not good, which is not a great response either. But at no, least shocker, you're like, the story is not great. The acting's not great. The effects aren't always great. Now hold on. When we're talking on here yeah. on the show, and we're talking about a movie that I don't like, I have a whole conversation about it and go into it. It's when you go when, off subject, usually. It's gonna say when you pick other films and throw them out there, we're not having that discussion. So I just simply go, I don't like that movie. And then you're like, why? And I'm like, that's not the discussion. And it makes us, makes me want to talk about it. Like we brought up Zodiac and you're like, worst movie ever. And I'm like, I hate that fucking movie. Why? It's terrible. (laughs) It was, it was boring. The pacing was bad. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal's performance was just kind of whatever. I had high expectations going into it because I love serial killers. So I'll watch anything about serial killers and Zodiac's a killer that needed their time. And I was waiting so long for somebody to talk about Zodiac because Zodiac never got caught. And There's a lot to talk about with the Zodiac killer. And the actual story is really, really fascinating. And I was like, I'm super here for this. And then the movie doesn't really like show or go into a lot of the stuff I wanted to see. Like I wanted to see more of the killer. I didn't really want to watch a news reporter doing his like little code thing, trying to decode his thing. And it seemed like the movie really focused on this reporter trying to decode Zodiac's codes. 
And I'm like, I wanted to see the scene when he like executes those people in the park and his weird executioner stuff, or like when he kills that taxi cab driver, or when he like does they do that share kind of those stuff. things, kind of, but they're not like the way I would have. Uh, they weren't exactly like what I. I just had a different expectation going into it. When you know, you know, it, anything that you have good knowledge on going into, you tend to be disappointed. So when you know a lot about something and you watch it and you you want more of like X, Y, and Z, like, okay. Who's the Zodiac I, Killer? They never caught him. But they, they, what is, they, it, Ted Cru- they is it Ted Cruz? No. Is that what they say? Who's the, is that the one they said, was it? Or was it um, Mitt Romney? It's one of those ones. No, realistically, they thought they had somebody a couple years ago who mashed DNA. Yeah, they did think that. They haven't really caught him, though. Oh, he's probably Uh, dead. But, like, okay, so here's a good example. Um, I did not hate uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Airbender movie. Now, everybody hates that movie. I don't know anything about Avatar the Airbender. I don't know a fucking thing about it. I've never watched the show. I never cared about it it wasn't really interesting to me or any of that kind of stuff but when i was a kid there was a lot of movies that they made in like the 90s that had a very similar feel like that warriors of zoo movie about like the the kangaroo people the kid goes through like the portal to like the other dimension and stuff like that and i was like this movie had a lot of that kind of like feel and i was big into those movies when i was a kid so like I just enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was a standalone film to me. It wasn't anything that, you know, I had an expectation of when I saw Jurassic Park's The Lost World, I had literally just finished reading the book before I went into that movie. And I was like, this movie is the biggest piece of shit I ever sat through. And it's like, if I hadn't have read the book, I probably would have been way more into that movie. But because of reading the book and having the knowledge, it ruined the whole experience for me. And it's that's, if I watch something and I don't like it, I don't like it. And if I watch it and I like it, I like it. And I don't really care what it is. It's really easy to disappoint you are because... a, Well, I think you're totally allowed to have your opinions, you know? I just hope right. it's not you hate something just to be different. No, and that's one thing that I've struggled with most of my life, and I hate it, is... I'm not, I'm not even joking, okay? And I'm not I've accusing cried. you of it. I'm just saying... No, no, no. I've actually like sat and cried and like been genuinely upset with the fact that I just don't have it in me to like a lot of the things that people like. And I don't want to be, cause I know that there are people out in the world who are trolls and curmudgeons and they just go around and they don't like anything and they don't whatever. And they don't really have a reason for it or they don't like it because it's popular or because of this reason or because of that. And I'm someone who is unwilling to just walk into something and hate it for the sake of hating it. Now there's a lot of modern film, as I've said in the last like five years in particular, where I took control of my life and I said, no, I'm not watching this. I don't want this. It's not just because I I, like, I hate it or something like that. It's because it truly doesn't interest me. I don't want like I don't want to watch Marvel movies. It's not because the first few Marvel movies were bad. It's that it feels like I'm watching the same movie over and over and over and over again. And I don't want to watch them anymore, and I'm just backing off from it. If this one's good and this one's bad, it doesn't matter to me because it's still superhero stuff, and, and superhero stuff is so basic and so simple in its storytelling. Like I would much rather watch Solaris, which I know 
Like, I, I want that. That's more of a film that interests me. I want to see things about people. I want to watch things more grounded in reality. Or on the other side of it, so absurd and so out there that, like, I just can't think that way and wrap my head around it. I like content that is so far outside of my thought process that I go, I could never make something like this. And it's fascinating to me because I can't think that way and I'll watch it and it'll, it'll be great to me because I just don't think like that. Or I'll watch something because I'm like, I, I, this is like something I would make, you know, it, it, it goes in those, those, both those kind of categories, but like, I don't hate stuff just to hate stuff. I don't, and it sucks because like, like when get good at, uh, get out came out. Right. I didn't like get out. I didn't feel like I had a position to say I didn't like get out because of society at that moment in that time. And I didn't want to be the white guy who didn't like get out. And it was like, that's stupid because at the end of the day, it's a film it's subjective. You can like what you like. It doesn't matter what message the film has. It doesn't matter what it is. Film is art. Art is subjective. It's same with music. What's the best music? What's your favorite band? It doesn't matter. It's yours. You like it. Whatever you like is the best. Dudes that's of what it comes down to. But exactly. Like it's like if that's but if that's if that is your favorite band, then that's the best band. Period. It whatever whatever your favorite thing is, is the best. And that's because it's all subjective. No one is actually this, that, or whatever, because there's plenty of technical people out there who you can say your technical skills are great, but I don't like what you're doing. You can look at something and you can say the technical aspects of this are right. Someone is a competent director, like with Bigelow. Bigelow ha is a very competent director. Do I have personal things here and there that I want to talk about? It doesn't matter. She is a competent director when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of filmmaking. She's a fucking amazing filmmaker, period. Wes Craven has movies that you like. He is not a good filmmaker. He is subjectively not a good filmmaker. He has some hits under his belt, but he is not a good filmmaker. You can't say that. I can't say that because from a technical aspect, his films are not good. Well, you said the ones that aren't good. I agree with everything. I I agree with everything else that you said, though. Because like, but like I said, like I do struggle with what I like and what I don't like. And I don't like most mainstream anything. Like I've never been interested in mainstream stuff, but it's not because of a desire to be a troll or to be an outsider or to fit an image or any of those sorts of things. Not liking things, as I said, has been a struggle for me my whole life. And it's made a lot of enemies for me. It's really, I hate being at jobs and people talk about movies because the thing is, is that film and music and television are social things that we all engage in together. They're all topics that we can have a conversation about. That's the whole point of these things. They exist for socializing. They exist to bring us together, to tell a story. It's the same as sitting around the fire back in the day and like having a person tell you tales like from whatever. Like It's a communal experience and we all go to work the next day and we all talk to each other or we all go to school and we all talk to each other and we share about the experience. And when you have that experience and you didn't enjoy it the way that everybody else did, you feel left out. But if you're true to yourself and you don't lie to yourself, then at least you're being honest and at least you're being, I I just can't live that way. I can't, I can't lie to myself. 
I don't have that ability to lie to myself. Like I can't do it. I'm like, I didn't like that. I'm sorry. I didn't like it. I don't want to do it again. That may have been fun for you, but it wasn't fun for me. Film is really hard because what's fun for me isn't fun for most people. And I mean, that's something we're also going to break down on this podcast. When we talk about every single movie, that's what we're coming to terms with. You know, what it it might be something small, it might be something big that makes us think that, you know, this is why it worked, this is why it didn't work. Specifically, this movie is a fucking mess. So what's oh, yeah. what works? The fact that probably it's somehow a movie that it manages to have a beginning, middle, and end. That's pretty impressive. But I'm really happy that you put that out there for the podcast because I think sometimes people need to hear that. Those thoughts, like, I don't even know if you realized how well you came off and how well-spoken you were with what you just said. You were like, it almost I want to say rage, but it was like a, like a pent-up, thing that you needed to get off your (laughs) chest and i honestly think it's probably one of the most valuable things that any of our listeners could listen to for the exact reason that you explained yourself well but realize on the other side of that when i do like something i fucking love it like once that once that great thing shows its face to me like i am like i want everybody to watch it i'm like you need to see this like fuck that movie i'm like this over here like i keep telling you guys like the best thing i have ever fucking seen on television is primal you have got to see primal have you seen primal chuck no it's that uh animated show from jendy tartakovsky the guy who did dexter's lab Oh, it's I, about did, I saw the first episode. The, I like forgot. It's about a Neanderthal man. Yeah, I yeah. saw the first episode. Oh my but I didn't god! Finish it. They don't use. It. There's no dialogue. The show's completely like without dialogue. Which Tartakovsky's a master of that. Like I love um, film and television that doesn't use dialogue, and I love stuff like I've said before, where it's just one guy alone going through something, because I I find myself able to enjoy that. St- stuff more because you can you know what's going on i mean realistically dialogue is cheap if you there's that old like what makes a movie a good movie and the number one thing is is the story able to be told visually so the test is if i mute this movie can i understand what is happening that's the best way to know if the movie is good at all shocker probably would not pass that test i think you'd be so fucking confused without having the voiceovers and all the information over the radio I don't hate Shocker. I really don't. I think it's you remind me of you remind me of Tarantino film. a little bit when he has that argument over Kill Bill, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, well, why, why? And he's like, cause it's just so damn fun. That's, yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting from you. Genuinely, the first part of Kill Bill, I fucking love, love the first part of Kill Bill. The second part was where it all fell apart for me. But I was a hundred percent here for that. I thought, I thought this is it. Tarantino's got me this time. I was like, and then he just summed it up. And I was like, eh. He should have, he should have kept it short form for that film for sure. Because the stuff that he does in that film, I mean, that film has some of like those like legendary, never going to be forgotten Hollywood film sequences in it, like the the jumpsuit fight sequence in the dojo and all that shit. I mean, that's a good movie, which. I don't understand how he's capable of making something like that and then just like so poor with the rest of the film structures and stuff. He's only good at scenes. His best movie's Four Rooms. We'll never discuss it though. Because we did all the Tarantino episodes. 
I know, and I tried to be on it, but I think I failed. You failed Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I didn't show up in time. Which, Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorite Tarantino movies as well. I do like that one a lot. Which is, once again, in a big empty room in one spot where nobody goes anywhere or does anything. And there's a lot of sequences of like one and two people. So that's that's the kind of stuff that interests me. Yeah, I don't like big casts. I don't like uh, things to be too complicated when they don't need to be. I think life is pretty simple. Sounds you like you're going to be it. a huge fan of The Whale that's coming out. Me, I am me too. so excited. I'm so excited for that. And as I've said before, that's my Oscar pick. I fully believe he's going to win Best Actor. Fully believe it. That's that's my that's my goal anyway. I want to see I want to see that movie win all kinds of shit. Tarnovsky. I, I more than anything, I just want to see Brendan Fraser win an Academy Award. Doesn't don't you want to see Brendan Fraser, the the guy from Blast from the Past, win an Academy Award? No. Doesn't that like just delight you? No. I, I want to see the guy great. from the Mummy win. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's like the George of the Jungle. It's like this guy yes. made like Dudley do terrible right. romantic comedies. Yeah, oh yeah, he did all that shit. Like it's like the guy's career up to this point was just nothing but like I mean, he had some hits under his belt. I'm not saying that, but they were like not not Academy Award winning hits. They were like blockbusters and shit like that. And it's just like to see him, he was so good in that Soderbergh movie, the one that just came out. No sudden low down. No sudden moves. That's what it was. That he was excellent in that. He played the fat cop. Chuck, where do you think the shocker falls in all of Wes Craven's movies for you? It's, it's a probably solid uh, right in the middle. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's it's not the top, but it's it's far from the bottom. I, I, he's definitely made worse films. Uh, I I do think that out of all the films, especially that we're talking about, his the next one's probably my favorite out of them. I really, I really, me too. I, I'm hoping this, this has been these past couple movies is like going back and being like, Oh, I didn't like that as much as I remembered liking it. So I, I'm, you know, I haven't watched the people under the stairs in a while. So I'm hoping that I don't, uh, that it's, it's not a perfect, like, it's not a perfect oh, movie, I mean, but the core movie is good. Oh man. But I think it's, I think it's I, still better than the other ones we've gotten so far. Mm-hmm. I own this. I own people under the stairs. It's one of my all-time favorite horror films because it's got a kid. I always like movies with kids as leads for some reason. There's a lot to like in that movie. It's a really tight film. It's really well done. I think it's probably one of his strongest when it comes to like camera work and like proper directing. I think like it's much stronger than. I don't feel like he does much with cameras. Like I, I, I his camera work never is something I look like. You know, that's something I always bring up on this podcast. Like the three, the three focal areas I always go to are like color, use of color in film, uh, cinematography. And I like, I like to see like audio is a big one for me too. Like when you said focal, I was thinking like foreground, middle ground, background, (laughs) the three focal points. Focal point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, like those are the three like things that like I really look for because those things can really like make or break a film and it's pacing and how it feels and flows and stuff. And I'm like, I don't always have to focus. I'm like with, with Catherine Bigelow, like I said, she doesn't care about color. That wasn't a thing for her. That's not a focus, but like 
her cinematography is fucking top tier all day and her use of sound is excellent like she knows what she's doing with that i don't want to keep going back to her but she's a really good example yeah, with the, like, it's the I, last director that we talked about so right that that too so she's still fresh in my mind but yeah like uh he's not good at that stuff i think he gets better later on like you said but it takes a while for him to really get that maybe if somebody actually like you know cared about film when he was a kid and grew up with film he would have a better understanding of fucking film instead of starting so late in life oh he's learning by making movies which is gonna happen i feel that everybody should have a bad movie under their belt i think most people do it's just a matter of if you saw it or not maybe they made a bunch of student films that suck before they made their first movie who do you think sorry one second who do you think Wes Craven's favorite director and influences are uh, Bergman. Who's that? Ingmar Bergman, The Virgin oh, okay. Spring. I see that, but it's probably more so pe- uh, Peckinpah. It's probably more. Isn't it Straw Dogs? Yeah, I I would almost bet that The Last House on the Left was more influenced by the Peckinpah film than the Bergman film. What's Peck and Pa? I don't know any of these. Well, uh, he he did uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Nope. A lot of pretty oh, okay. pretty violent nope. movies, but Straw Dogs with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> you're you're wrong right off the bat. What? Wild Bunch. Wild Bunch. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I know Wild Bunch. I think I've actually seen that one. My brain was a Wild Bunch. That's why I need Chuck e- editing me live. Dude, he's the best. You're like a fucking encyclopedia. I could say that actor and you'll just go and list the actor <laughs> off. Dude, that's one thing I don't have. Like I'm it's like, I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know how to articulate stuff. And like, now that I have you there, I'm like, so here's my thing. And it's like, Chuck, this person. And he's like, this person. So I am like, like, okay, I have that, uh, <laughs> I have that problem. And it's, uh, I've seen like a meme of it too. That's like, that's like when you listen to a podcast and they're trying to think of the name of something and you're just sitting there going, it's this. It's this, it's yeah. this like, but you can't, but they, you know, it's like, that's, that's how Justin used to have me listen to his, his old podcast when it was just uh, him and Grace and starting out. And it would just be like, just be like, I just feel like I needed to be there in the room to just like stop every time either one yes. of you said something wrong and just be like, nope, you know, you messed that up. Nope. You said that wrong. I've nope, done you had that another, name wrong. another podcast where they're like, you know, what's that movie with Jennifer Aniston and Jake Gyllenhaal? You know, I'm like, I, yelling at them and they're just talking about it for five minutes i've been there i i am laughing though because i do have the making of the wild one book behind me wild bunch wild bunch (laughs) you need to go to bed are you all right i'm very tired you've been drinking go to bed grandpa i have been drinking (laughs) go home get drunk i i not have been i am currently it seems like a PSA against drinking. Don't drink in podcasting. I was surprised to hear an advertisement from Matt on the radio the other day. I was like, I didn't think they were still around. I thought you said Matt. I'm like, who's he? Matt, mothers against drunk driving. Matt. Well, well, I'm not. I'm just drunk podcasting. Kind of. You notice that the fathers don't care about the drunk driving. It's just the mothers. Well, it would just be dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't be you can't be mad when you're dad (laughs) 
All right. It sounds like the end of the episode, I guess. I don't know. I recommend you see this movie. What movie? If Shocker. Oh, okay. If only... If only the movie we're to, talking about, Justin. If only to experience Wes Craven at his like most batshit. Like this is like a man just like trying to figure out how to recreate what he made in the early eighties, in the late eighties, after trying to make like a serious film that was not a good film. And he's like, All right, I'm gonna make another nightmare on Elm Street. This is what it's gonna be. And it's like, Y'all right there? It incorporates nine different horror movie franchises. How about that? Plus, best soundtrack ever. Totally worth watching just for the soundtrack. I was astonished when this episode started and the first word out of your mouth was, this movie's soundtrack is terrible. Because that was like, the one note that I had was like, this movie has the best soundtrack. I'm just subjectively correct about it. It's fitting for the movie, that's for sure. No, it's not. It's fitting for the era, not the movie. No, the movie's bad. The music's bad. (laughs) The music's not bad. The music's good. The music totally changes the tone of this movie and makes it It absolutely does. (laughs) It ruins the tone. It becomes a trauma film when the music starts. This is like a high-budget trauma movie. This is considered a low-budget film. It doesn't really look that low-budget besides, you know, I guess they do use a football field that I'm sure they probably just, like, they didn't even get the rights to film on. I mean, they realistically probably did. It probably just didn't cost them very much. Like, yeah, it's a student film. This West guy, he wants to use it. Is it a football movie? Sure. It's basically The Water Boy. The, the movie Thursday, didn't... Night... <laughs> Thursday Night Lights. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday Night Lights. Is it sequel? Saturday Night Dimmer Switch. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our episode about Shocker. As I said, I recommend going and seeing it. Always listen to Cinema Demore. It is the best podcast on the internet. Like us, subscribe to us. And next week we are talking about People Under the Stairs, which is actually my pick. So it's fine that I'm actually wrapping this up. I'm very looking forward to that one. But I have to move first before I can watch it because it's packed away in a box. So You'll be moved by then. I will be moved by then. Absolutely. I will be moving not this weekend, but next weekend. So that I'm not looking forward to. I hate moving. It sucks. I should have a nicer space when I moved. And it won't be as loud because I'm not going to be in a basement anymore. I'll be on the third floor of my building. So it should be quieter. Do you have anybody above you? No. Oh, good. We're the, we're the top. So. That's where you want to be. You want to be the people that yeah. stomp. You don't want to be the people that get stomped on. Yep. So we're in a good spot for that. So I think think the, the audio will be a lot quieter. A lot easier. So. I should have a nicer background. Stuff falling off my walls and stuff. So. Alright. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.
Waterbeds are great for dream sequences. They'll be around forever. No one will ever want to get rid of waterbeds. Peter Berg's a poor man's Ethan Hawke. A poor, poor man's Ethan Hawke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 